0: Welcome back to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Heath Padgett, and this is episode number 22. Today on the podcast, I'm talking with Kate Mullen. Kate travels full-time in her Winnebago Travada Class B van and has been on the road now for over a year and a half. She was able to shift her full-time employment with a consulting company after working from home for more than three years. And the topic of today steers more towards not necessarily client work that Kate does when she's on the road, but how she's been able to stay safe while traveling by herself. This is something that, as a guy, I probably don't think about enough and I'm not sensitive enough when I'm talking about the RV lifestyle, but I know this is a big worry for most females who are thinking about jumping into this lifestyle. A few of the things that we cover in this episode is how people have come to the rescue when Kate got herself into various pickles on the road. The only sketchy thing that Kate says has happened to her in almost two years of traveling in an RV apps that she uses to send out potential emergency alerts or notify family if anything were to happen, and how Kate handles everything from maintenance under her RV to roadside assistance, and other advice that she would give for any female who's considering hitting the road solo. Let's get into today's episode with Kate Mullen. All right, we're live. Kate, thanks so much for being on the show with me today.
1: Thank you, Heath, I'm excited to be here.
0: And you are calling in from Canada, Nova Scotia, right?
1: That, that's right. Um, I've been here for a little while and, um, I'm at the arm of gold, um, campground. It's pretty neat. They have an on-site food truck here and, um, and an RV car wash. So it's the, Are you the first. Me? No, I was just like, I, I didn't know it. It wasn't on their website or anything. And I got here and I was so excited. I was like, this is so awesome.
0: They have an on-site food truck and an RV car wash. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I've seen yeah. people go around in RV parks and just, you know, say, hey, you know, we have a service here where we've got this guy and he'll come in and, you know, wash your RV for a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Um, right. And I I don't know how much they charge actually. Anyway, but a food truck, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what this has of, been a...
0: What kind of food are we talking here?
1: Um, they have uh fish and chips, uh cheeseburgers, oh uh fries, gosh. onion rings, that kind of stuff. So yeah.
0: My mouth is literally salivating right now. I mean <laughs> we'll have to link up to this campground in the show notes because it sounds like everything I've ever wanted. I we're about to we're gonna be in Canada in like another week and a half, but we're going to Banff, so we're not gonna make it all the way over there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, you're going to love Banff as well. That's a beautiful area and uh, lots to do there. So that'll be cool.
0: First of all, I'm really appreciative of you being on the show with me because I've something that I've I've gotten a few emails from women who are looking to hit the road in the RV, but they're trying, but they would like to do it uh, female. You know, there's a lot of blogs out there of people who are couples and they're traveling or they have families. And I'm sure from the outside looking in that that could be, uh, perhaps discouraging for anyone who is a female solo, uh, traveler or is wanting to be. So I'm just, I'm interested in hearing your story and how you, uh, came to look at this lifestyle and and what made you decide to want to live in an RV and kind of, uh, transition your work. Uh, you do consulting work, so transition your work into living in an RV. What was kind of the tipping point for you to do that?
1: Well, um, So I know you and Alyssa are millennials. I'm of the the Gen X um, generation. So I guess when I kind of hit my 40s, I had, I don't know if you'd call it a full blown midlife crisis, but sort of just a a pause where I just felt deep inside like something was missing, even though on paper, everything, you know, looked like it it should be fine. Um, You know, had a house, a job. I was in a relationship of 10 years, um, going on vacations and, but I guess I had gone on one of my vacations and I was like, man, you know, you work the whole year just to take a couple weeks off and you're just working all the time for this stuff. And I somehow wanted to get out of that cycle and have more experiences and be able to follow some of my passions photography is one of those and um, and and just be able to do more things. But I, I wasn't quite sure what the answer was to that. So at the time, my partner and I were going to take off a year and we had gone to an RV show and started doing all kinds of research. And then our relationship ended. So I took a year to kind of regain ground and, and stayed in Charlotte and um, kind of put the RV dream on hold. And my aunt came into town and she wanted to go look at pop-up campers. So I, I knew exactly where to take her. And when I got to the, the RV dealership, they had some newer, smaller Class A models. And I thought, wow, you know, I, I could do this by myself. You know, I wanted... One, speaking of safety, you know, that was self-contained. I love the Airstreams and and the design and, and their, you know, their vintage and history, but didn't want to be in a vehicle where I'd have to get out to be able to move if I felt uncomfortable or unsafe somewhere. So, so being able to be in one space was important. And like I said, I, I saw this smaller unit, the Thor Vegas, and uh, it was 27 feet and just thought, wow, I, I think I can do this. So then I came back and did a test drive a couple weeks later, and then, then went ahead and, and made the purchase. And I thought, well, I'll just do this, you know, weekends or, or vacations. And I guess that was about uh, the end of October, and then I received notice that my client that our engagement was ending, and so I kind of took that as a sign. As I was, I could either stay in Charlotte and you know wait to find new clients or new work, or. I could uh, use this as an opportunity to kind of hit the road and maybe do a a sabbatical. So that's what I decided to do. I took the time to get my house ready in Charlotte so that I could do vacation rental by owner uh, before I hit the road, but kind of put in a six-month sabbatical notice with my company, and they were very supportive and hit the road. I guess it was uh, February of, uh, of last year, and it's just worked out really well and you know you, you do have your share of um, trials and tribulations but it does give you uh, freedom and I guess kind of some space to uh, to reset and reground yourself especially with you know the access to being outside and all the places that you can go and the stuff that you can see so it's been a great experience
0: yeah and so but you've been so the first six months you were actually not working you were just traveling is that right <laughs>
1: Right. So I thought I would, you know, take this, the sabbatical and I wasn't sure kind of what would happen next. And, you know, I, I, it wasn't like I left and, um, you know, told folks, you know, I'll be back in a year. I really wasn't sure how long, um, I would be able to stay on the road. And so I had kind of planned those, uh, initial six months and then a client called back and said that they had some new work. And this was the same client that I'd worked uh, with before, and I'd been working from home. So they shipped the laptop. I was in New Mexico at the time, and I just settled down for a month in Santa Fe. I have friends and family there and um, was able to make sure that I could get the Internet, you know, all that kind of stuff working in the RV and that I'd be able to work from the road just as seamlessly as as I was uh, working from home. And so I was on that contract through the end of the year and then had another like one month or so break and then um, was reengaged again and still on um, that contract.
0: Do you think that it would have been as an easy transition for your company to let you go remote if you had been in the middle of working with a client or was it because you had already worked from home for them and you happen to already be on the road that it just made sense?
1: Yeah, I think it because I'd worked from home for them for um, three years So I had a, you know, proven track record of of delivery. And and so I think, you know, it was that 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 it enabled it. And, you know, just being able to continue to be accessible, you know, so I always try to prepare as much as I can. You know, I have multiple hotspots, try to call ahead and and make sure that Wi-Fi is available. But, you know, we know it's uh, variable (laughs) at the the campgrounds. It's uh, not always there. But um, like I said, I've got multiple hotspots. I've got, uh, hot spots. I've got um, two phones, you know, try to, you know, be prepared for whatever's uh, presented. But, but pretty much uh, Monday through Friday during normal work hours, I try to align to the uh, eastern time zone. But some of my team members are on the West Coast and just be available. And I'm working from the, the RV just like I would if I were at home.
0: Yeah. And what is, and since you started working with them like a year ago, what does your travel schedule look like? How has it changed? Are you in places for longer periods of time?
1: Yeah. So I almost spend, um, it's, it's pretty much a project plan just to map out where I'm going and and what I'm going to do. So the, you know, the weekends are my repositioning, uh, time as well as any time to get out and do sightseeing or um, my photography work. So I'll try to stay in in, in a place. So I, at least I have a free weekend. So I'm not traveling before I, I move on. So it takes a, a lot of planning to, you know, map out my stops and, uh, and where I'll be. Because, you know, I, I I do like try to cover a lot of ground and see a lot of stuff while I am on the road. So I, I really pack it in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you on your on your blog, uh, the road less the road to adventure.com right? Yes. On your blog you talked about how you were kind of when you were in this transitioning period, you had just came out of a relationship and you were thinking about hitting the road and just kind of figuring things out that you were getting burnt out in your office job and just the whole corporate minutia of everything. So how is how has just like your life and your outlook on everything changed since you started traveling in an RV? I mean, do you feel like your work is of the same caliber? Uh, but you're just happier, or I mean, how how has things changed for you?
1: I think well, working from from home helped a lot, and started I guess resetting my stress level versus being in the office all the time and kind of on call all the time. And 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 going back, I'd I'd been full time with a company at that point, and going back to my consulting roots helped ease the stress some. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's just it's been dramatic, especially having the sabbatical. You know, I, I really had the taste of freedom during those six months and uh, it was amazing. And so I think, you know, being able to, you know, try to reposition into, you know, something that you start yourself is really helpful in that you're more in control of your time and, you know, where you spend your efforts. But, you know, short of that, I think you're removed from the politics of, of corporate life a little more, and you're able to work and look outside your window at all these beautiful places. So that certainly helps a lot. So it's just hard to put into words, but, but it's been a a big change. I feel much more centered and grounded and, and, uh, and much happier since I've done this.
0: You get to spend a lot more time with your Chihuahuas. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Cute little dogs. Yeah. Uh, so, are those your protectors too? While you're on the road, if anybody comes up, they just they just bow up to them, and they everyone runs away screaming.
1: Definitely, they're uh, they're full of attitude. They're uh, they're Chihuahua Dachshunds, so uh, I I say they they have the double dose of, of attitude. But they're they're. <laughs> They're good company as well as good protectors.
0: Going back to... Your experience as a, as a female solo traveler, what kind of advice would you give other girls slash women who are hitting the road full-time by themselves in an RV or not in an RV?
1: Well, I would say, you know, definitely do it. It it seems like it's this big unknown and, you know, all of these things could happen. And, you know, I, every time something has happened to me on the road, I, I call them my road angels. Somebody appears. It's just... It's amazing how I guess wonderful the country is. Y- you you see on the news all this negativity, and, and it's kind of easy to think that you know there's all this bad stuff out there. But it really is just a wonderful country, and and everybody has been willing to help. And the RV community itself seems really special. And uh, everyone looks out for one another. When people know that I am traveling alone, they'll take you know extra watch uh, for me or or take me under their wing. I've uh, had people invite me you know out to dinner. You know they uh, have helped when I was stuck in getting some RV repairs. I had folks take me out to laundry or out to dinner to go run errands and stuff like that. And then just weird stuff when I had the Class A and was pulling the, the mini. I had gotten the GPS said to turn down a road, and it was uh, in Florida, and it was one of those kind of marine park uh, RV-ish neighborhoods. And I got down to where it said to turn left, so I could kind of do a U-turn through the neighborhood to get back out. And the the trees had overgrown the street that it, it had wanted me to turn down, and I was like, oh my gosh! And I was in it. I saw there was a little cul-de-sac there, and I thought I could make the turn. And there were two people there having a conversation. And I, I tried to make the turn, but, but I couldn't quite do it and uh, had the car on a tow dolly at the time. So I, I was trying to back up a little bit and inch forward and, and make the turn. And uh, this lady's like waving her arms in front of the, the windshield. And she's like, where's the door on this thing? And she comes inside and she's like, hi, my name's Heather. I'm a truck driver. Get out of the seat. <laughs> and let me <laughs> let me do this and i was just like what are the odds of of the two two people in the cul-de-sac here's heather the truck driver and um and she she hopped in the seat and uh, was able to get me turned around
0: get out of the seat i'm a truck driver
1: <laughs> exactly That's awesome. <laughs> but it's just, you know, moments like that, you know, just whenever I've, I've kind of run into trouble or, or, or little hiccups there, there's been somebody there that was able to assist. So I think just, you know, being positive and, you know, having having faith that you'll be able to get through whatever, you know, because things do come up with the RVs, there are challenges, but you know, it's, uh, it's cumbersome and irritating, but, uh, but, you know, you move through it and, and keep going. And so I would say, you know, don't have fear about traveling or the great unknown. I try to give my parents a map. I put calendar invites out there for them for where I'm going to be and in the details of the parks and campgrounds. And then I just text them when I get to places so that they know that I've arrived. So just staying in touch with friends and family so that, you know, there's someone that knows, um, you know, what your travel plans are. I think that's a good tip. As far as um, hiking or, um, you know, doing that type of stuff, I have one of those um, GPS units that's, uh, it's called a spot. And and so it, you can pre-program messages like I'm going on a hike and it, it'll send out, I'm okay. And you can check in periodically. But more importantly, if something were to happen, it has sort of a 911 button. And so you pay a service every month. And it would send, you know, emergency help uh, if you needed it. So I have that as a backup as well.
0: That's really cool. I've actually never heard of that. When it comes to moving the RV around from place to place, do you do a lot of research on campgrounds to find ones with good reviews that maybe don't look as sketchy? Or how do you kind of plan where you're going to be and things like that?
1: Yes, I, I do a lot of research. I use the uh, the RV, you know, campgrounds reviews. um, I'll check which um,
0: which uh, which website do you use for campground reviews? I
1: I think it's I'll send you a link afterwards, but okay. I think it's just RV campground reviews or something like that. Um, it's RV, really, is it
0: rvparkreviews.com maybe?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, that's it. I use that. I'm a good SAMS member. I have a KOA card as well. And usually I'll I'll stay in those types of parks versus you know, the state or national parks, again, just for um, the possibility of having um, Wi-Fi access. But on the weekends, I will stay in the state or, or national parks so I can be closer to nature and, and have more scenic views. I, I try to plan those out. I do overnight parking at Walmart occasionally. Uh, Cracker Barrel, I prefer. They have designated RV spots and the uh, And generally have cameras and people there late and coming in early. But either of those are good for um, short stops, you know, when you're trying to get from destinations and just need a quick stop overnight.
0: Yeah. Have you ever been in a position or a place where you were kind of sketched out or worried about your surroundings at all?
1: One time when I was in Florida, there was a a Cracker Barrel on, on the list and it was not as close to the highway and near other hotels as they usually are. And I got there late and there wasn't anyone there. And it, I'm sure it was fine, but it just looked kind of dark and secluded. And so that one I kept driving and I think stayed at one of the the pilot gas stations or something like that, that night instead.
0: So really in a year and a half of being on the road by yourself, that's the, that's the sketchiest situation you've been in. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, (laughs) It is. It's so true what you're saying that it's it's just easy to look at the news and the media and what's trending on Facebook and of the horrible things that have happened, just like the the recent shooting in Orlando, just terrible. things. Yes. And it's just easy to become jaded. And I know that that's even in itself stating that is a cliche because people always say that about the media. But it's so true because even though even if you acknowledge that that's true you don't have anything working against that. And what I mean by that is by going around and traveling around the country, you're meeting people from different walks of life who think differently than you, who have different religious views than you, who uh, are different ages than you. Because when you're in one place, you have this group of friends and they kind of think like you do and you've known each other for a while and you usually don't break out of that circle too much. At least most people don't. I didn't. But when you're on the road, you meet people from everywhere, from different cultures and you realize, hey, the world is, uh, there's a lot of good out there in the world. There's bad, but there's, I would say there's more good than bad. And I think that's encouraging because it. you can kind of watch the news and the media and things like that from a different standpoint. You can look at it and say, it's not all bad. That's a lot of what catches eyes, but I've met and I've seen a lot of good. And I think that's, I think that's powerful.
1: I do too. And that's definitely been sort of a, a game changer. And, and I think if you Approach the journey positively, and just be open to meeting people. You know, it's 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 all in your attitude, and you know how you present yourself, and and uh, you know, and again, being open for those synchronicities and opportunities. You do meet all kinds of folks, and and I've just been overwhelmed by the kindness of people. You know, I've had. Like, I, you know, I think I mentioned, I've had people invite me over for dinner. I've had people cook for me, take me out to dinner. I had this nice couple at, at a campground. She thought of quoting a magazine and, and ended up bringing that back huh. by because, you know, she was just amazed at what I was doing. And it was just so kind. And, you know, it's just really amazing, you know, how much kindness is out there. and And so I think it is a good counterbalance to kind of the barrage of the media like you're saying that that you receive and and you kind of you know think that that's all that's out there and there's a lot more good than bad I agree with you
0: how have you went about meeting people on the road has it just been at campgrounds or have you been intentionally on going out in different places how have you made friends since you've been on the road
1: I've Made friends through Facebook and then through a member of, we have a Travado or Winnebago Travado group on Facebook. So I have a lot of folks that I stay in touch with there and that I'm looking forward to meeting at GNR as well.
0: And we get to hang out there too next month.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> That'll be cool. And then I do meet people in the campgrounds. And then sometimes, you know, if I do go out to eat, I may typically sit at the bar and, and eat. And, uh, you know, folks will strike up a conversation. I've met people that way, but I really don't go out, out all that often, generally just because I'm too busy doing and seeing and photographing things and moving around. It it's difficult, but I have met a lot of people.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. How do you, uh, go about getting everything fixed? That was something I posted in uh, our make money in RV Facebook group and asking uh, people what questions they would have for female solo travelers and one person asked how do you get things fixed i mean i'm sure you take it in a mechanic shop like everyone else but have you been put in situations where you were broken down or anything like that do you keep roadside assistance how do you, how do you handle that
1: Sure. Well, I I do have like a little uh, traveling toolbox so that, uh, you know, if it's something that I can do by myself, I'll try to do that. Any repairs. I do have roadside assistance and I probably went overboard with all that, that stuff. But I have like, if I get sick, somebody would drive the RV back for me. Um,
0: Who do you have roadside assistance through?
1: I have them, have it through good sam's and then also have i can't remember what was offered coach net through winnebago yeah so i have both good sam's and coach net the good sam's one is the one if i get sick or they would drive the rv back and they would take care of the dogs as well if something happened
0: yeah for anyone for anyone listening sorry to cut you off kate but we we use the good sam too and we had a blowout a tire blowout on our trailer our tow dolly last year in california and they were great about coming out to, to get it taken care of, so I just I, I recommend them as well. But keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I haven't had to call roadside assistance. I did have a flat tire, and I had pulled into the gas station and, and was trying to re-air it, and more air was coming out than going in for some reason. It was it was tricky on, on those on the on the tires with the. I was in the Vegas at the time. But again somebody was there and helped me out and uh, and I was able to get them reinflated and back on the road. Beyond that I've had stuff where you just have to make the appointment and you know take it into the dealer, get an oil changed, you know, regular stuff like that, you know. So I just try to batch that stuff together so after after the rally I'm going to stay in Forest City and, and, and get a bunch of repairs done at, at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do that whenever they go to the big RV rallies where their manufacturer is just like, all right, I've got a list of things that need to get fixed. You guys need to uh, st- get it all done for me while I'm here.
1: Exactly. Uh, yep.
0: So, uh, gosh, what was I going to ask? You. Oh, the Vegas. So that was an RV that we were looking at for the longest time just because it looks really cool and it's the kind of the link that we were looking at in the Class A's because it's it's 27 mm-hmm. feet, like you said. I thought it was actually 25 feet, but I guess it's 27 feet. And it just is a sweet. It looks like an RV off the Jetsons.
1: It does. It has this huge windshield, and the view out of that, it's like you're in a movie <laughs> theater or something. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a great RV, and I really liked it a lot. And if it again wasn't for the length, once you put the tote on it and all that kind of stuff, you know, I I, I would have stayed with that.
0: And having the the Winnebago, and what was the name of the model, the Class B that you have now?
1: It it's a Travato a Travato,
0: a Travato. yeah Winnebago Travato. Those are mm-hmm. really cool, and they're basically. They're a class B, and they've got, is it a couch bed that folds down in the back, or is it always a bed?
1: Well, that's the G model, and so it has, yeah, the Mur- Murphy bed that folds down in the back. The one that I have is two twin beds split, and it's the K model. And yeah, and the interior's a little more modern than what I've seen on some of the other RVs, so I really like that. And I added some old barnwood paneling to a couple of my walls to, to give it a little bit of a different look. And I'm really happy with that.
0: Has your diet changed at all since you started traveling in the RV or is it almost the same?
1: It's almost the same. Now I do occasionally break down like the food truck here and have a cheeseburger. <laughs> some burger. fish and chips, man. You're um, in Nova Scotia. You yeah, get out and eat some seafood. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, but no, I generally, I do a lot of cooking from the RV so I can do, you know, I've got a, a propane stove and the convection microwave oven. And so it's, you know, just carried over what I was doing from home to the RV. So that really worked out well.
0: I have a question on, uh, this is totally off the, off our current conversation of eating paleo and fish and chips, but what were some of the, if any fears that you had before hitting the road? I know for me, I probably had a few big fears before we got started traveling. One was I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that i'm not going to be successful and whatever that meant to me in the moment i think it was the fact that if we didn't travel to all 50 states and we had to come home before we finished our first trip then i'd be a failure um, whether or not that was rational or not that was a that was a fear i had fear of being able to you know make enough money on the road and also, I had another fear, but I'm not sure what it was. I'm just a little scaredy cat, I guess. But anyway, what kind of fears did you have before hitting the road?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, similarly, I also had sort of like this, you know, if something happened and I had to come back early or something, it would be some some sort of failure on a level. And, and I'm not sure why, because again, I wasn't sure how long I was going to be gone, but I felt like if it was... You know, cut short, or I had to come back in a couple months. Then, then I would feel like it wasn't successful. Isn't
0: it so interesting how much we we worry and care about that? Because it's such a minute. I mean, who cares? I mean, the fact that you bought an RV yeah. and hit the road, like you're winning. You know, it's a cool it's right. a cool thing to do. And who is to place parameters on what is failure and success?
1: Exactly. Yep. I know it's really weird. And then also would like to try to have um, some sort of business where I can have a little more freedom with my time. So trying out different ideas, which your, your podcast is just a great source of inspiration for that. And so, but I guess also, you know, not being able to make enough money or having to come back and go back to, corp- you know, real corporate life and, and not just not working from home, but if I had to go back and, and you know, go in the office... You know, what would that be like? And
0: is there a fear that you currently have that's associated with having to go back and work in an office?
1: Yeah, that one hangs out there for sure.
0: Wouldn't it be hard? I imagine it would be hard. I'm just, I always say that when it comes to working, that I would never put myself, I would never say, I won't go get a job if I need one to support Alyssa and I. I never want to be that cocky or conceited to say I'll never go get a job or anything because I know that that things happen. You know, if there was a downturn in the economy or whatever and I needed to go work, I'd go do it and I'd be happy doing it. But that being said, I I have the same fear. There's no part of me after, you know, we're a couple hours outside of Jackson, Wyoming, looking at these amazing mountain ranges. I I would never want to go have to work back in an office for at least a company that I wasn't running.
1: Right. I mean, it's just, that would just be so hard, but like you, I, I, I wouldn't say I would never do that, but, but yeah, it would definitely be, um, be a big change to, uh, to try to adjust back to that lifestyle again.
0: What type of, this is a question I, I ask in every one of these episodes, but what does success look like to you in this lifestyle?
1: Oh, wow. I guess, you know, just being kind of centered and happy and, uh, and, following my passions and my dreams and, uh, being able to contribute, you know, positively to others that I meet along the way on the journey. And, and I guess ultimate success would be, you know, finding, being able to, uh, to have my complete freedom and, uh, be able, I guess, to generate income without, uh, you know, having to rely on, on corporate work.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's baby steps sometimes too, right? I mean, you are right. in an ideal world. We'd all love to be able to start out or be, you know, I know you're a photographer to be able to make all your income off of photography alone. Um, but it's also, there's a, there's transitions that you have to, I mean, I don't know if transition is the right word. There's a process, you know, you have to work through to yeah, get there. And, sure. uh, you've got a couple different components working in the fact that you're building your skills as a photographer, capturing great content, and you're also already traveling. And so maybe there's opportunities for you to be able to do photography, keep doing photography on the side, maybe work a little bit of your income. I mean, we're in a similar boat and we've met a lot of people who are doing the same thing. You know, we in an ideal world, I'd love to be able to have a couple different businesses or one business that's whether it's software or whatever um that we're running while we're traveling. But in the meantime, we're cashing in on our film on our freelance film skills to to be able to finance our lifestyle and working with clients. And in an ideal world, and I'm transparent with my clients about this, I don't want to be doing a ton of service-based work from the road. I'd much rather be working on building products or maybe writing a book or something and, and being able to focus right. more of my time on those activities. But it's a process. You know, you can't start out always doing exactly what you want to do. Uh, at least not realistically, you can.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's small changes and, and kind of pivot points. And, and so I think, you know, just getting out on the road is that first step. And and then I think other things will come from it and, and doors will open.
0: Absolutely. Well, Where can people learn more about you online and connect with you?
1: The website is theroadtoadventure.com. I'm also on Instagram at Entra, O-N-T-R-T-A, and um, I'm also on Facebook, um, and that's uh, Kate Mullen, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, it's open for, for anyone to uh, to inbox me.
0: Awesome, and I'll, uh, I'll link up to all of those in the show notes. Kate, thank you so much for being on the show with me, and I'm pumped to hang out with you and maybe have a glass of wine or something, beer, whatever, you, uh, beer, beer has gluten, maybe gluten-free beer, uh, with you next <laughs> yeah. month at, uh, at GNR in Iowa.
1: Okay. I look forward to it, Heath. Can't wait to meet you and Alyssa. All right.
0: Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today with Kate. If you want to check out the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 22. List lists out all the stuff that we mentioned in today's episode there on the podcast. You can find the links. On the next episode of The RV Entrepreneur, I sit down with a Canadian named David Couillard, who started a doggy poop bag business as well as a hard camera case drop shipping business that he's been able to run from his Airstream? In that episode, we'll cover how David got started in drop shipping and any other practical advice he would give for anyone who's considered getting into that kind of business. Also, we dive into a bit of a rabbit hole on, honestly, both of our struggles to stay productive when we are amidst an aggressive travel schedule that any person who drives an RV can empathize with. So I'm looking forward to that episode. It's a lot of fun. I'll see you guys there and have an amazing day wherever you are.